Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my podcast, everyone. Hope you had a great week. It's a beautiful day here in Chicago. It's a marathon weekend here in the city, so there's a lot of energy around. And hope that you are feeling the same kind of joy in the autumn where you are as well. We are getting close to the end of our sermon series here at our church called Some Like It Hot, dealing with sex and relationships. And today we are looking particularly at people who are single in dating life. And so um, here are some words from the book of Colossians that we're using to reflect on uh, that topic. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. I heard a funny story the other day from a good friend of mine who was sharing an experience that he had with two friends of his. This is probably about 15 or 20 years ago in the Boys Town neighborhood of the city. This friend of mine uh, is gay, and he was talking, uh, and Boys Town, for those who don't know, is a neighborhood, at least it used to be. Uh, now it's uh, more integrated, I guess you could say, between people who are gay and straight, but at the time, a predominantly gay neighborhood. And he was talking about uh, walking around uh, in the heart of Boys Town with two of his friends, and they were walking across the street, and this guy called out to them, and he said, hey, sexy. And so my friend said all three of them turned because they all kind of wanted to secretly hope that, is is this guy talking to me? And so they all turned to look. And my friend said that this guy who called out was just gorgeous, the same age. This was when he was in his early 20s. And um, my friend said, "I, I think he was calling out to me. And so I smile and I point to myself as if to say, oh, are you speaking of me? And the guy said, no, no. And he walks up to one of my friend's friends and says, it's this guy. And my friend was kind of shocked because this friend was not what you would necessarily consider uh, or did not have model looks. Uh, But it was clear that the other guy was particularly attracted to my friend's friend. And so it was interesting what my friend talked about, how what that did to him. Because at first he thought someone called out sexy, and perhaps maybe he should be a little offended that someone is catcalling him, but at that time he thought it was indeed a compliment, and then to turn to think someone finds me attractive, and to then realize that no, actually, uh, it's my friend who I didn't think would necessarily get that kind of attention, but indeed he did, and it taught my friend some humility at the same time. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the midst of this sermon series, and I want, in addition to talking about being single in the dating life, I want to talk a little bit today about what does it mean to feel attractive and be attracted 
to others. It feels good to be desired. It feels good to someone for someone to say, I'm interested in, in you. Um, whether it is someone calling out sexy, that may not be your thing, but if someone approaches you or someone calls you or texts you, and it's clear that they want to get to know you, and that makes us all feel good. In some ways, this sermon could have been shared at the beginning of this series as we talk about what does it mean uh, to have desire, to be desired, what does it mean to be attracted to someone or to find someone be attracted to you. Sometimes as Christians, we may think, well, it just it shouldn't matter, right? It should only matter what's in a person's heart. Uh, and that's a big part of attraction, to be sure. But uh, there are other components of attraction as well, and certain physical um, physical attractiveness is, is part of it as well. We see this in the scripture. Uh, in Genesis, we read the story of the author of Genesis is talking about uh, these two sisters, Leah and Rachel. And it describes Leah's eyes as being lovely. And it said that Rachel was graceful and beautiful. And then it goes on to say that Jacob loved Rachel. The word beautiful is used to also characterize and describe Sarah from Abraham and Sarah, also in the book of Genesis. Beautiful is used to describe Esther, one of the books of the Old Testament as well. And in addition, beautiful is used to describe David, King David. One of the first times we are introduced to David, it says that David has beautiful eyes and is handsome. All of this is particularly relevant if you're single because you are wanting someone to because you're wanting to find someone to desire. And it goes beyond just physical looks. You want to desire someone. And, of course, you also ideally want someone to desire you back as well. Many singles want to find someone to love. They want to find someone who will then love them back. It's a natural desire for us to have that, to want that. And it can be frustrating when it doesn't happen especially when there are so many tools at our disposal these days. And it seems like it's when you are single and you really want to be in a relationship and then it seems like all of your friends are in relationships and that can be particularly hard. And today with so many things like OkCupid and Match.com and eHarmony, uh, apps like Tinder and Hinge and Grindr, and all, there's so many different possibilities I saw this week there's catholicmatch.com. So for those who are Catholic and want to find someone who's also Catholic, there is something for you as well. So I've done uh, not a ton of research, but some research this week about the dating scene in 2015. I've learned a lot. I put on my Facebook page earlier this week that this coming Halloween will be the 23rd anniversary of my last first date. That was the first date that I had with my wife in October 31st, 1992. So while I'm a bit behind the times, it was also helpful to talk to some folks this week, singles, and hear their thoughts. And I know this. The ways we meet people have changed dramatically over the last 20, 25 years, but dating still remains both frustrating and exhilarating. Dating reduces us to laughter and to tears. Dating means lonely weekends and days and nights tinged with beauty. All of the above. That part has not changed at all. Sometimes as a pastor, when someone comes up to me and if they're struggling for any reason, if they've lost a job or if had a loved one who's died, um, you know, I always want those what I call magic pastor words. 
there's a situation where I keep thinking there's got to be a handbook so I know just the thing to say. And that's true for people who are dating. People are single and will say to me, I know it can seem kind of selfish, but I really want to meet someone. I want someone in my life. I want someone to love. I want someone who loves me back. So what do I say to the person who so wants to meet someone and for whatever reason, at that moment in their time or at that moment in their life, it's not happening? I know there are lots of things that aren't helpful. I was reading a magazine this week called Relevant, and the article was What Not to Say to Singles by a woman named Deborah Folletta. And the top three things you're not supposed to say to Christian singles in particular were to say, well, you're, you're married to Jesus. I've never heard anybody actually say that. That might be different faith traditions, but I don't think that would be very help, helpful. Uh, another thing not to say to singles is singleness is a gift. Some singles don't want to hear that especially if they really want to be in a relationship. Uh, Another one, you won't meet your spouse until you stop looking. That kind of cliche also, I think that one probably is not terribly helpful. Another person this week said to me that she doesn't like it when people say, well, that person just didn't deserve you. And so again, all of these things to, to highlight and to say, as we think about what do we say, how do we respond to people who are single to first name the fact that it's natural to, to have these feelings and to desire. And I don't want people to feel bad and to think, like, well, I should be happy with what I have. And for all of us, that's true. We should feel grateful. But also, don't beat yourself up if you are thinking, I also want to be in a relationship. So some of the things I reflect on today hopefully will be helpful not just for singles. But I think also for me as a happily married man of 21 years, it was also helpful for me to think about these things as well. And in this text that I read from Colossians, I really want to focus on one verse, just one verse, and that's the very first one, verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The first part of it, I think, uh, there are two, I can break this down, this verse, into two parts. And the first one is particularly, or, or both are both important, for the first part, which says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let me stop right there. Now, sometimes I know all of us probably experience at one time or another as we're growing up and if we are um, unhappy or feeling like, will anyone find me attractive or will anyone see the beauty in me? And we have a loved one, maybe usually it's a parent who will say to us, you are beautiful. And there's a part of us that appreciates that, but then there's another part of us that say, well, that's because you're my father or you're my mother. You're supposed to say that. But I think it's important for us, this very first section of the verse to hear this. As the author of Colossians is saying, before you engage in any outside behavior to others, you must remember this, that you are God's chosen one, that you are holy, and that you are beloved. To rest on this foundation, I've been talking about this in various ways, uh, or it seems like, I feel like over the last several months, but I don't think I can ever say it enough that you are chosen, holy, and beloved by God. Because sometimes I think when we get we feel rejected by others, if we are desiring someone to be romantic with and we are rejected, then we can maybe then equate that to think, well, I've been rejected by everybody and maybe even including God. And so the great part of this verse is that it starts off with this wonderful foundation saying, before we do anything else, know you are chosen, you are holy, you are beloved. And hopefully that 
is a good place for all of us to start and to know that about ourselves, whether we're dating or married or in a relationship, whatever, whether we even desire those things, to first and foremost to know this, that we are chosen, we are holy and beloved. And we need that because it can be exhausting to be in relationships and to seek relationships. I think that's one of the first things, one of the big things I learned this weekend in reading some articles and talking to others as I noted earlier, you know, I know about dating behavior uh, from 1992. Uh, I don't know about dating behavior as much, firsthand experience anyway, in 2015. And again, things have changed and the choices have, have opened up tremendously. I was reading excerpts and about a book that came out recently called Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. So many people told me, oh, you've got to read Modern Romance. You've got to read Aziz Ansari's book. I didn't have time to read the book, but I read a couple of articles about it. And it was, again, helpful in so many ways. And this exhausting piece of, of dating and being in a relationship was the thing that struck me the most. So according to... Uh, Aziz Ansari, this book, it's not just, Aziz Ansari is a comedian and an actor, and I think a lot of people thought, well, this is just going to be a funny book about dating, but he's also, he teamed with some sociologists to really take an in-depth look at, uh, about attractiveness, about relationships, how we meet one another, and so there's quite a bit of research in it, and so, for example, OkCupid, which is an online dating um, website, creates, according to his research, some 40,000 dates every day. And then to take a look at Tinder, for those who don't know what Tinder is, and I did not get a chance to really um, do much research on this, my understanding is that you see someone's face on an app, someone has taken their picture, and you swipe one way if you're maybe physically attracted to this person, and swipe another way if you're not. When I preach this on Sunday, I will ask others if, I'm, if that's generally speaking how it works. And then you can get connected. If somebody else sees your picture and swipes also saying they might be interested in you, then that takes it to the next step of possibly meeting the person. Now, according to Aziz Ansari's research, um, there are 2 billion swipes on Tinder that generate 12 million matches every single day. And Ansari said in an interview, he said, that's a stunning number. And I think it's beautiful that all these tools are able to help people find love and happiness. He acknowledges sometimes it does not go well. And then he gets in a different interview that I was reading him, this word exhausting. And he said exhausting comes up in so many different contexts. And again, this is as, as he's in sorry quote, he said, there are people who are doing online dating who are like, ugh, when you come home and you open up that okay Cupid inbox and you see all these messages, it's exhausting. It's like a second job. And there's other people who are like, ugh, trying to schedule stuff over text to go on a date. It's exhausting. People are so flaky. They tell you, hey, let's meet on Wednesday. Then you text them on Wednesday and it's like, oh, something came up. Can we meet on Friday? That kind of stuff is exhausting. And people do kind of reach a breaking point, I think, and they kind of change up what they're doing. Again, that's all Aziz Ansari in an interview that um, he had or that was printed in a magazine. And so I think it's helpful to know first that, hopefully it's helpful to know that I'm chosen, holy, and beloved because when I try to go out and meet others, that can exhaust me and I can forget those things. But when we do begin, hopefully, and we start with it from that, from that point, from that beginning point, and then when we go out and think about how am I behaving, how am I engaging with others, how am I meeting others in my desire to be in a relationship with someone, 
And when we do that, I think it's natural sometimes to think of and see others simply as objects, as a face on an app that we are swiping back and forth, something even to own or manipulate. And it's easy to do when we're only seeing them through screens. Uh, but even before the advent of online dating and uh, finding attractiveness buying phone via phone, when you would go to a dance, for example, and you would like look to see who's all there and you're seeing them and you are finding some sort of initial attractiveness perhaps to somebody, I mean, you're, see, you're treating them almost kind of like objects, and it's, there's not much you can do about that. Certainly later, you don't want that to happen. But when we think about how we engage in behaviors with others, uh, it's helpful for us to hopefully remember that the person that you are wanting to be in a relationship with uh, or beyond other people that, regardless of the relationship, uh, that they are not objects, that they want to be treated well. And that brings us back to the second part of this verse, that as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved first, and then it says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It is so interesting. All of these verbs are just so selfless. Humility here means the ability to count others better than yourself. Actually, the, the term here in the Greek in this text, it, it really refers to, uh, fi- to fasting, self-abasement, meaning that if you are a part of a, of a program that you were almost starving yourself in order to, um, to really humble yourself in that way. This is what the word humble means in this context. And then gentleness, to have consi- courtesy and be considerate toward others. Patience, this is one biblical scholar said this week, this is the ability not to become frustrated and enraged but to make allowances for others' shortcomings and to tolerate their exasperating behavior. That is so hard. When we are dating and wanting to be in a relationship, humility, gentleness, patientness, they're all good things, but we also want somebody to, to, to like us. We are also looking to have some needs met too. And these verbs are saying you also need to make sure that you are not just treating this other person as an object, you're not just treating this person as a tool for you to find some kind of self-fulfillment. It's not bad to want those things. It's not great when you are seeing that person as simply a tool, a utensil for you to have those things. And this is even beyond romantic relationships. It can find, certainly in the work environment, if when we see others simply as, this is a means for me to feel good, and that's the only reason that I want to be in the relationship with this person, That is not treating the other as also being holy, beloved, and chosen. So even to use these verbs when we are dating and when we are in relationships with others, to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient, it is tempting to want to fit people into how we want them to behave first, and then we can be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. So here's an example. This is a non-dating example. A few years ago, when, uh, at a previous church of mine, we were hiring somebody for a children and youth position, and we were interviewing different candidates. And there was one candidate, I'm going to call her Donna, and uh, Donna's resume was, was a good resume. And then um, she was sending us emails and had questions about the job, and she had this kind of personality that just seemed too good to be true, almost a little too saccharine. I mean, everything was just great. 
and the sky was always blue and the sun was always shining and I kept thinking to myself, do you ever have a bad day? And I will be honest with you, and this is not a good quality for me. When I see people like that, I think, are you for real? And when I, and I had all kinds of initial reactions to her and I would say it to others, I'm like, I don't think we can hire this person. This is, it's, they're not authentic. They're not real. So I was judging them and then that in turn was a temptation for me not to be kind or gentle or compassionate. I was judging them. I was thinking, this is a certain kind of person. I don't want to treat them in this certain way because they're not fitting into the kind of person I want to be on my staff. And then when she actually came in for the interview, I realized that this is who she is, that she was being real, authentic. And the issue wasn't with her. The issue was with me. I wanted her to be a certain way so that I would be would feel better about uh, about me as a as a supervisor. I would feel me better about uh, the, our church. And so the issue was was my own attitude that I was first going to say I'm going to see how you treat me, and then I'm going to be considerate, kind, humble, patient, and gentle. I'm not even going to acknowledge that you are holy, beloved, and and uh, chosen. That's so hard. And regardless of who we are dealing with, whether it's dating or not, to be able to see the other as this person is beloved by God and deserves for me to at least be compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient with them. Now, I'm going to acknowledge that stories I know or stories I've heard of people who are behaving just awfully online, just awful. And you might think to yourself, I don't think this person is really that chosen or holy or beloved. That's what makes our faith so beautiful and so maddening. That we are called to do that. We don't let others treat us poorly, for sure. I'm not saying that we just let people walk all over us. I am saying that we need all of us in any kind of relationship to think, how can I see this person as somebody who's beloved by God And then, rather than me waiting to see how they treat me first and then deciding, well, then will I treat them with kindness or gentleness or compassion? Then I decide I'm going to treat them as they are created. And that can be a challenge when you're really wanting to meet someone. But I think when we do, when we clothe ourselves in these ways, that can be one of the best outfits we can ever wear. And so may all of us be able to put on those things on our hearts and on our, in our lives, knowing with it, all of those things about God, that God is, um, that we are beloved by God, that we are chosen by God. And when we put on these other characteristics, that then hopefully allows us to see others in that way. And hopefully that will also lead to healthy relationships as well. May it be so regardless of the relationship that you're in. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening. And I hope, as always, that if you have questions or want to react or respond, you can do that with me, Chris at urbanvillagechurch.org or on Twitter at Christian Kuhn. And I'm happy to do that with you. One more sermon in the sermon series next week. Uh, And until that time, I hope that you uh, have a blessed week ahead of you and knowing of God's abundant love for you. Peace. With thee.